The following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. Happy Sunday! It's my favorite day of the week. I get to be in God's house with all of you. And it's a holiday weekend, and the priority that you have made the house of God uh, speaks volumes about who you are and what is most important in your life. Listen, we live in a, we live in a pretty cool city, I mean, as far as things to do. And I hope that you're going to have, you know, a great rest of the weekend. I hope Saturday was awesome. But there are so many different things that you could be doing in this city right now. And... Uh, Really, I think it's one, one of the things that's really amazing about churches that are in cities that are happening and have a lot of stuff going on. I think it's really cool in a city like this um, when we can have a church family that puts a priority beyond all of that stuff. We know where our priorities are. And kudos to you. Kudos to you for leading your family strong and knowing what matters most in life, because this, this right here, being in the presence of the Lord, I'm telling you, is greater than, than anything else that you can do or that you can experience. And by the way, for those of you that are unaware, if you haven't heard, next week we are going to three services. Next, I'm, next week, not one, not two, like LeBron James, but three services. I, three services next week. Which one of you is going to show up at the wrong time? <laughs> Somebody. There's going to be more than one person going to show up to church next week at 9 or 11. I didn't know. But luckily for this crowd, this whole crowd, you have all committed to coming to the 1215 service. So thank you for that. We're so, we're so grateful. If you want relief from parking, I'm just telling you, the 830 or the 1215 are going to be your sweet spot if you don't want to park um, in Egypt way <laughs> down the road. We're glad you're here. Hey, we're going to jump into the Word of God today. Um, if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to the book of Mark, chapter 10. If you don't have your hard copy Bible with you, you can follow along with us on the screens. We're going to kind of work through this story today, and I'm excited about um, the Word that the Lord has laid on my heart for us today. Mark, chapter 10, starting with verse 17. As Jesus started on his way... A man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud and honor your father and your mother. Let me talk to the teenagers in the room today. Oh, parents, I thought I'd get a better amen than that. Oh, come on. <laughs> Honor your father and your mother when you think they're crazy. Honor your father and your mother because they have your best interest at heart. Teacher, he declared, 
This is this response to Jesus after listing all of this stuff. He said, teacher, all of these I have kept since I was a boy. And Jesus looked at him and loved him. That's important. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have. Go sell everything you have and give to the poor. And then you will have treasure in heaven. And then, then, here's what you do next. You come follow me. And at this, the man's face fell. And he went away sad because he had great wealth. Now, in the church world, if you've grown up in church, you've heard this story. This would have been familiar to you. But in a religious setting, we have always referred to the character in this story, not Jesus, but the other man, would be referred to as the rich young ruler. And on the outside, that would be true. But as we dig into his life and his story a little bit today, I think that you're going to see that really, on the inside... Outwardly, right, he, he portrays a rich young ruler, but inwardly and spiritually speaking, I think we, we have a more clear picture that he would really be more of a young, poor peasant. Because what we tend to do, and I don't know about you, but I, I think a lot of us, we tend to to see the external and we think that that's what matters most. What we can see with our naked eye and what is visible to us in the, in the visible realm, we, we go and we quantify this man's authority and his power by what we can see with our eyes. And so therefore, when we do that, naturally we come away with a phrase, rich young ruler. And I just need to let you know today that it's not what you portray on the outside that defines who you really are. Because who you are is not what you portray all of the time. Who you are is what's at the core of your being. It, it, it may not be what you portray. See, we're really good we're really good at being really churchy. God bless you. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Look how big my Bible is. Right? We're good. We're, we're good at what that, uh, uh, of all of that. But what do we do? We, st we spend so much time spinning our wheels and running on this treadmill trying to obtain more and secure more and grasp a hold of things because we still believe that what matters most is what people can see on the outside of us. How much we have, where we live, what we drive, the clothes we wear. We think that, that what's really valuable is what we portray on the outside and today, I, I, I want to I just shake that off of us today, and I want to try to break this mindset if I can, because what I want you to understand that is so much more valuable than what you portray on the outside 
is what you have on the inside. I don't know about you, but what is becoming less effective and is not effective in reaching a lost world is portraying something on the outside that we don't have on the inside. In fact, the thing that is turning people off from Jesus is Christians, and we're all guilty, me too, sometimes, of portraying something with our mouth that we don't live out in our heart. And, and listen, listen, we're, we're all guilty of it. And it doesn't make you a bad person. I'm, I'm not condemning by any means. I just want you to be aware that if we're going to make a dent in this world for the kingdom of God, what we portray on the outside and what we say with our mouth has to match what is on the inside of our hearts. Because the world sees through a bunch of fake Christians. The world sees through that, and it's not going to make an impact on anybody. But what I am talking about today is the power of this unseen to the natural, to people around, but this, this invisible intimacy, if you will. What nobody else may see. They may not see it by what you drive. They may not see it by what you wear or where you, but there's something on the inside of you that exudes the love of Jesus Christ. There's something on the inside of you that it doesn't matter if you're wearing name brand or you're wearing knockoff brand, that somebody looks at you and it's not because of the clothes that you wear or the money in your pocket, but they look at you and they say, what in the world? What do they have? I need that. And it doesn't come by being flashy. It doesn't come by having attention on you in a church service. It comes by this invisible, intimate relationship with your heavenly father that you get in your secret place, that you get when nobody else is watching, when nobody else knows. I'm talking about when you're walking through a storm in life, when you're walking through unbearable circumstances and everyone around you is looking on saying, if I were going what, if I were going through what you're going through, I don't know that I would have the same response that you have. If you're looking for an outward strength in times of trials, you know where outward strength is found? Invisible intimacy with your heavenly father. If you're looking for a peace in the middle of life's greatest storms, you're not gonna find it walking into a church. Ooh, hallelujah. You're gonna find it when nobody else is looking, when nobody else is paying attention, and you're at your house, you've got that couch, you've got that chair, you've got that place in your closet, and you're getting a hold of the throne of God, you're going before his throne saying, Lord, if I don't have you, I'm not gonna make it. I need you, I need, I can't make it, Lord, I can't make it through what I'm walking through if you're not going with me. What's on the inside? 
You need joy. You need peace. It comes through this intimacy with your heavenly father. Mark chapter 10, let's, let's walk through this. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and falls on his knees before him. Can you picture that with me? The, run, the man's running. I just, I picture him like sliding on his knees in front of Jesus. And this is, this is how he addresses him. I think sometimes this is our problem too. He says, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, I do have to tell you right off the bat, I love this man's approach. He's running towards Jesus. Like he, he really wants to get in front of Jesus. He, he wants to get his attention, but running for this rich young ruler outwardly would be very odd in this day and age for a man of his status and stature in society whose scholars would actually say that oftentimes this man would probably have been carried to where he was going. So for him to be walking would be odd, but to even see him running and then falling on his knees would be a very odd picture for those that would have been around him. And what I think is so powerful about this part of the story, and I, and I think it's something that you and I can pick up, is that for just a moment, and the sad part is his story doesn't in the way that I would like for it to end. But even for just this moment, he forgot about who he was. He forgot about his status. He forgot about all the clothes that he was wearing. He forgot about the money in his bank account. He forgot about what people would say about him if he were to approach Jesus and he took off running. And he comes sliding in on his knees at the feet of Jesus. I wonder when the last time you and I, who are followers of Jesus, we know the answer to the question that he already asked. When is the last time you approached Jesus like this? With such vigor with such passion? When's the last time you approached reading the word of God? Oh. Oh. Right? When, when, when's the last time that you approached your prayer time with so much passion that you just came sliding into the presence of your Savior saying, listen, I just want to be in your presence more than I want to be anywhere else, and I don't care what my family thinks. I don't care what my friends think. He was the kind of man that people would have always had eyes on. He was important. And for a moment... He abandons everything that he identified with to say, man, I got, I'm, I'm going to identify with Jesus for just a moment. And I think, this is, I think this is so powerful, and he takes off running. And he lived in a culture where clothing would have been incredibly important was so significant in this day and age. It represented status. It represented 
wealth. It represented your family name. It represented who you were in society. There's so many examples. Think back with me to Joseph. I don't have time to go through all of them. Joseph wore a coat of many colors to represent the favor uh, position that he had in his family. And you see this all throughout the scriptures. And so he was in a culture where what he was wearing would have been really, really important, and it would have communicated something to everyone around him about his authority and about his position and about his wealth and power. And here we have him sliding on his knees in the dirt in the presence of Jesus, willing to get his identity dirty, to be in the presence of Jesus, willing to wear the marks of an encounter with Jesus. Spiritually speaking, can I talk to us today? When's the last time you've been marked by the presence of God? trying to light a fire under us this morning to reignite a passion, not a passivity in Christianity, but a fire that says, I gotta know him in a new and a fresh way. I don't wanna just come to church to check a box, but I wanna know him in a real and a tangible way. When's the last time you got in his presence And when you got up from his presence, you knew without a shadow of a doubt that you had been in his presence. When's the last time you let tears flow down your face when you were thinking of the goodness of God? When's the last time you went back to the moment when he saved you and he pulled you out of the junk that you were in and you just begin to rejoice and you begin to give him honor and praise and glory? Let me ask you this, Did it, was the last time you've been marked by a moment with Jesus, the moment that he saved your soul, was that the last time? Can I tell you today that you can't live off of marked moments from a lifetime ago? He's got so much more in store for you. He's looking for a people that will get passionate about pursuing him, about chasing after him with everything that they have. If you're looking for joy, if you're looking for contentment, can I tell you, it's not found in what everybody sees about you. It's found in the quiet place. It's found in an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. When's the last time that you've been marked by a moment with God? Because he would have been marked. He would have had marks on his clothing as he comes into the dirt in the presence of Jesus. What is your life marked by? For those of you that have been water baptized, last week we baptized over 150 people here at Christian Life Austin. Come on, that's amazing. Thank you, Jesus. Can I let you in on a little secret? When you were water baptized, 
You were marked by your heavenly father. You had an encounter last week that you will never forget that will shake you. You wear the stains of an encounter. You have identified yourself with Jesus Christ. You're saying, listen, I want the whole world to know that there's something going on on the inside of me and I'm gonna be water baptized because I want everybody out there to know who I serve. I'm not hiding it, I'm not ashamed of it. The Bible says that when you're water baptized that you are buried with him in water baptism, which means that old nature, that old way of living, that old way of talking, that old way of doing life is buried, but then it gets better than that. It says that you are raised to newness of life. You have been marked by a moment through water baptism. Let's get back to our story. Again, this would have been very unusual behavior for him to come sliding into the presence of Jesus running. And again, his story doesn't end the way that I, I wish it would end, but at least for a moment, his, his approach was right. He forgot about all the stuff that he had been trying to do, all the, the pretenses that he had put up, that he had wanted everybody to see that he thought was important. And for just a moment, he wanted to be in the presence of Jesus. Now, I enjoy the game of golf. That doesn't mean I'm good. Terrible. Played golf this last week. This is how bad I am. This is embarrassing. I don't even know why I'm telling you this. Like I had, a, I had quite a few golf balls in my bag. And we're making the turn. That's halfway through. And I'm like, bro, we're going to have to stop by the clubhouse. I'm going to have to buy some more golf balls. Like this, this, is, <laughs> this is how bad it was. And my excuse was it, it was a really hard course, okay? So just let me live in that. It was, very, it was very windy that day. Everything was against me. I'm kidding. I'm just terrible. But in, in, in golf, if you're a golfer, you'll, you'll know this phrase. There, there, there's a saying, and it's kind of cheesy, but it's also very, very true. It says that you, you drive for show, but you putt for dough. You drive for show, but you putt for dough. Now here, here's what this means. Being able to drive a golf ball very far off the tee might impress some people, but the people who are actually winning the tournaments in golf are the people that are making the putts at the very end of the hole. The ones who are actually victorious, watch, don't just have a good drive. They don't just start well, but they finish better than what they started. Now, unfortunately, in the game of golf, I don't do either very well. But luckily, I'm not judged in heaven by how I play golf. Thank you, Jesus. And this is exactly what we see with this rich young ruler or this poor young peasant. His approach is amazing. He crushes it off the tee box. Boo, there it goes. Wow. 
everybody's, what they're probably looking on crazy. Even Christianity today, right? We're looking on and we're like, bro, your approach was amazing. You wanted to come. You were marked in this moment. You come sliding, running into the presence of this is great. Job well done. But what we learned very quickly is that you can't just stop after you drive the ball off the tee. You can't just sit there and admire it. Woo, look at that baby go. Look how well I hit that golf ball. Man, my job is done here today. Guess what? If you do that, you still lose. It doesn't matter how good your tee shot was. If you don't go finish the hole, you don't win the game. And unfortunately, this, this young man's approach was fantastic. But his follow-up was a little shaky. By the way, your approach is great today. You're here. You're in church. This is a great way to start, right? This is, this is a beautiful thing. Your approach is great. You're in the house of the Lord. You brought your family to church on a holiday weekend. This is the right way to start off. This is amazing. Kudos to you. But I need to tell you that you can't stop with the tee shot. It doesn't end with great church attendance. If your goal is to check a box saying we went to church 360, you wouldn't come 365 days, 52 Sundays a year, listen, that matters and there's something to show for it, but that's not the end game. There's something more than that. There's something more than just signing up for a life group. It's a part of it and it's necessary, but you can't stop there. You can't just live in community with others. There, there's more to it. you got to finish the whole. So watch, 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 watch. Let's see how this, this rich young ruler or this poor young peasant does with the finish. Good teacher. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Well, I've kept all of those my entire life. Jesus looked at him and loved him, and he said, one thing you lack. Go sell everything, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. You will have tre If you do what I'm telling you, you will have treasure in heaven, and then come follow me. This is the most amazing news. He asks a question, and he gets the answer from Jesus. Like if I ask and I get an answer, yes, I know what to go do. Watch what he does. Watch his response to Jesus giving him the answer that he's looking for. Here, here's, here's how he finishes. This is so heartbreaking. At this time, the man's face fell, and he went away sad because he had great wealth. So you just, you just got the answer to the question that you were asking. What do I need to in, inherit eternal life? And he walks away sad because he, he was still under the impression that what he had done in the realm of the visible and what everybody could see about him was more important 
than the inside. And so his approach was amazing. His tee shot was fabulous. But he stopped short because he was so busy acquiring and obtaining and worried about what other people were thinking about him that he couldn't do what Jesus asked. So now I want to juxtapose that story with this one. Luke chapter 19, a story you're very familiar with. Jesus entered Jericho, and he was just passing through. And a man there by the name of Zacchaeus, you remember, you remember Zacchaeus? He was a chief tax collector. And what? Oh, he was wealthy. What? He had, he had status. People looked at him. But he wanted to see who Jesus was. I love how they put this in there. But because he was short... He could not see over the crowd. Thank you. We understand that, Lord. <laughs> Maybe it just shows his desire to really see Jesus. And so he runs ahead. Again, this was a man with status, a man with wealth. And he climbed up a, a sycamore fig tree to see Jesus since Jesus was coming that way. And when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. Can you imagine? I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. And all the people saw this and began to mutter. This is what people do. He's gone to be the guest of a sinner. That's Jesus. But Zacchaeus stood up and he said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. And Jesus said to him, today, salvation has come to your house. This man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. Now look, the two stories, they're so similar. Both have men with status that have acquired a lot in life that people would have looked at them and on the outward would have said, man, they're, they're incredibly successful. They've done a lot. The rich young ruler slash poor young peasant approaches Jesus in a, in, a, in a hasty manner. He comes sliding in, running at the feet of Jesus. Zacchaeus' approach to Jesus was much the same. He came down from the tree. He went to an elevated position and then lowered himself in the presence of Jesus. And the Bible said he did it at once, which means he did it quickly. Very similar to the rich young ruler. Both approaches are amazing. Great tee shots. But the story takes a drastic turn. The very first statement out of Zacchaeus' mouth is, take what I have, Lord. Take what I have. 
I don't care about all the stuff that I've acquired. I don't care about the status. I don't care about what people say and what they see about me. That's not what's important to me. What's important to me is that I'm in your presence and you're coming to my house. I don't care about all of the other stuff. And so a man who had acquired so much jumps out of a tree and he says, Jesus, take every aspect of me. Take, my, take everything that I have. And Jesus says, this man gets it. This is what it's about. I just need you to surrender everything that you are to me. Because what I'm afraid the rich young ruler slash poor young peasant didn't see was the fact that the plan that Jesus had for his life was so much greater than anything that he had built up on his own. I wonder what his story could have been if he would have surrendered everything that he had and turned it over to Jesus. Approach is good but it's not everything. It's good, but it's not all that matters. It's not what will define the course of your life. What will define the course of your life is when you are at the moment with God and you have to determine, am I willing to abandon me to follow you? Or will I choose to hold on to everything that I've done and think that it's enough? That's what will define your life. And truly, that's what will determine every one of our eternities. Will I choose to abandon me to follow you? And here's the dirty little secret. His ways are so much greater than our ways. So here's my question to you as I close. Would you stand with me all across the room? The approach was good for the rich young ruler. But did you notice how he addressed Jesus? good teacher and I want to ask you today on this Sunday morning will he be just a good teacher or will he be your savior will you call him good teacher or will you call him savior and let him do something on the inside of you that will change you forever. Come on, your approach, every one of you have, have crushed the approach you're here today. But there's some of you that haven't finished the hole yet. There's some of you in the room that need to make that commitment to Jesus. That says, I surrender everything that I have no longer Am I going to be in control of my life? I've been doing it, and look where it's got me. 
I may have a lot of stuff, but I'm still unhappy. I may not have a lot of stuff, but I don't have the joy that I'm looking for. But it's amazing when you surrender your life to Jesus, how much joy, how much peace, how much strength that you can have, no matter what you're going through, no matter what you have, however much you have or you don't have. Because your strength isn't found in what you've built. Your strength is, in, is found in who Jesus is in your life. And he's always enough. He's more than enough. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Maybe you're in the room today. Maybe you're watching online and you would say, you know what, Pastor Brad, I, I want to respond to the word of the Lord today. I've had a great approach shot for many years, but I've just walked off the course after I've hit my tee shot. But today I want to finish the hole. Today I want to come knock the putt in. Today I want to surrender my life to Jesus, maybe for the very first time. Or maybe you need to rededicate your life to Jesus. Maybe you walked away and he's just been a good teacher for the last five or six years, but today, He's going to become master and savior of your life. If that's you, would you just slip your hand heavenward so I know who to pray for today? Wow. Man, what a powerful, powerful service. My prayer and my hope is that it changed your life. I know God was moving and he was speaking to you through it. Hey, on behalf of our pastoral team and our leadership team, we just want to thank you again for worshiping with us this morning at Christian Life Austin Online. We pray that this service remains in your heart and helps lead you to your next steps on your faith journey. And we want to take a moment right now to give you the opportunity to give your life to Jesus. If you've never made that decision before in your life, whether you're in your living room right now or you're traveling, I know that Jesus will meet you wherever you are. Romans 10, 9 says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You want salvation today? It is that simple. All you have to do is say with your tongue that Jesus Christ is Lord and also believe in your heart, truly believe that God raised him from the dead. Let's take a moment and let's pray together. I'm gonna pray a prayer and maybe you wanna pray a very similar prayer to what I'm gonna pray, but let's pray together right now. God, we love you and we thank you. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for the gift of salvation given through Jesus. We believe that Jesus is Lord, and we also believe that you, God, you raised Jesus from the dead. And God, we receive and we accept your salvation. We thank you for all you do for us. In your name we pray, amen and amen. Wow. Well, congratulations to everyone who made that decision. I'm so proud of you, and I want you to know that all of heaven is celebrating with you right now in this very moment. And we at Christian Life Austin are also celebrating with you as well. But hey, we know that this is only step one on the journey. We want you to know that you are not alone and we don't even expect for you to figure this whole thing out on your own. We wanna partner with you as we walk through our core values. Know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives of others. We would love to help you take your next step. Whether it's water baptism, 
joining a life group, or getting plugged in and serving through Growth Track. We have everything you need to make this process easy. And we want to walk alongside you as you take your next step. We want you to know that you're valued here at Christian Life Austin, and you're valued in the kingdom of heaven. Hey, we want to know what your next step is. And we want to know if you made the decision to follow Jesus today. So please click the link in the description so we can get connected with you. Again, thank you so much for worshiping with us here today at Christian Life Austin. And we can't wait to see you soon.